And y'all can be seated. Good morning. Looks like we've got a lot of folks traveling today, but we're so glad so many of you are here. And we also want to welcome those of you who are joining us for online worship today as well. Hope you guys have an amazing and wonderful Thanksgiving. Well, as you can see, we're beginning a new series today entitled Something's Missing. You ever had that thought before? You ever just been like, man, something's, something's missing. Something's just not right. Let me begin with a question this morning. How many of you keep a diary or a journal? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple of you do. I'm going to need some complete honesty on this next question, okay? How many of you will honestly admit that there have been times when you have sneaked a peek at someone's diary or journal? Raise your hand. Okay, Richard, I'm shocked. I, I mean, I thought you'd be number one, man. I really did. I, I'm so shocked at that. You know, it's just amazing, really, what you can learn about someone else when you begin to look at their diary, maybe some of their most vulnerable, deepest thoughts, or at least that's what people tell me, right? I mean, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't do anything like that. But, but you can learn a lot, right, as you begin to look deep down inside someone. Well, today we're going to have a chance to do something like that from a biblical perspective. I know typically most people, when they're, when they're you know, thinking about some of their deepest thoughts, they want to keep it private. They want to put it in something like a, a diary or a journal, and they want to keep those things locked away. Now, I do realize that today, some people, they don't mind sharing everything with everybody. Right? I mean, some people kind of look at Facebook, social media as, as being like their own personal diary. And I mean, they share everything with the world, the whole world, everybody. I mean, including gross stuff like their latest surgery incisions, right? Or, or maybe they've got a pimple that's just like, you know infected and ready to explode and, and you're seeing this stuff on social media and you're like gross why would you put that out there why would you share that for everyone to see but some people have no problem with that well before there was social media thousands of years ago there was a guy by the name of Solomon and he was a king and he kept a journal or a diary. And, and in this journal, he gets very vulnerable. He's very honest. He's, he's very transparent about some things that he learned, about his walk here, in, here on this earth and, and in this life and all the mistakes that he made and, and a lot of the misguided wonderings that he took on his journey here. And he shared it for everyone to see. 
In fact, it's found in the Bible. It's called the book of Ecclesiastes. And you can be turning there with me if you'd like. We're going to be going through the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. What I want to do, though, as we look at his journal, is I want us to start at the very end. Now, if this was a novel... I wouldn't do this, but since this is simply a journal, I want us to start with the conclusion that he comes to first. Because I think if we see how he ended and the conclusion of his life, I think it's really going to help us to understand why he shared his journal with the entire world. Okay, so let's just start in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, the very last page of his journal, and notice what he writes. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. And so here we are, we have Solomon who now is an old man. And he's at the end of his life and he says, listen, he says, after everything is said and done, don't do life the way I did. Because life is about walking with God. Respect His authority. Draw close to Him, chase, pursue Him, embrace the truth of His wisdom, let Him guide your steps, find yourself in Him. You know, Solomon had an incredible start. He really did. As you look at 1 Kings, I mean, you're talking about a guy that was handsome, he was smart, and he really, really loved God. He did. And then his father, King David, dies and he leaves, he leaves Solomon, his kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Solomon becomes the next king. And one night, God comes to Solomon in a dream and he says, Solomon, he said, listen, ask for anything and I will give it to you. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Just ask, and it's yours. Can you imagine? If God came to you and He said, Look, I'll give you anything you ask for, what would it be? Well, Solomon was so overwhelmed with the whole idea of being the next king. I mean, his, his father was a legend. He was an amazing king. And, and now that's been passed on to Solomon. And, and Solomon was so overwhelmed that he makes this humble request. He says, God, he says, I need wisdom to govern your people. I need wisdom to lead this great nation of, of Israel. And, and so God, if there is anything that I could ask for, that's what it would be. God, please just give me wisdom so that I can be as good a king as my father. And well, as you can imagine, God was thrilled with that kind of selfless request. 
Which, by the way, God is thrilled when we ask for wisdom today as well. James chapter 1, verse 5, James says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You know, there are a lot of things that we can ask for and then we kind of scratch our head wondering, is this, is this God's will? But this is not one of those things where we even have to wonder. God wants to give us wisdom. He won't rebuke us for giving, for giving us or for asking for wisdom. And, and so we need to seek His wisdom out. And that's what Solomon did. And not only did God give him wisdom, but God says, I'm going to give you everything else you didn't ask for either. He says, I'm going to give you wealth. And I'm going to give you great influence and power over the people. And so Solomon became this great king. And, and through his younger years, as, as he is living for God, and, and as he has this deep relationship with God, I mean, he, he just he has so much wisdom. And in fact, he wrote another incredible book called Proverbs. And it's just filled with all kinds of godly wisdom. And for those of you who have kids, I would highly suggest just every day take a few of those Proverbs and just talk about them with your kids. I mean, they're just absolutely amazing. They're so, so rich. Solomon was filled with wisdom, but here's the thing. It's one thing to have wisdom, but quite another to apply it to your life, right? You ever known someone who was really good at, at sharing wisdom, some, some really good principles to help other people live right, but then they themselves would do just the opposite? Oftentimes here, parents talk about how, man, it's... I, I'm, so I'm so terrible as a parent because it's more or less do as I say, not as I do. I, I tell my kids one thing, and then I do just the opposite. Well, Solomon had a lot of wisdom, but he didn't always follow that wisdom. And so at the end of his life, he's now saying, don't do what I did. Walk with God. Have a deep relationship with God. Pursue Him because I am telling you that is all that really matters in this life. In fact, let's go forward now to the very beginning of his journal and let's notice how Solomon begins. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2, he says, Everything is white, church, said out loud. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely, and he says it again, said out loud, completely what? Yes, meaningless. And as you go through Ecclesiastes, man, Solomon absolutely loves this word meaningless. He uses it 38 times. And that word comes from the Hebrew word, habel, and it literally means emptiness or futility or a vapor that vanishes quickly and leaves nothing behind. As an old man, Solomon is just saying, Look back, looking back over my life, life apart with God is just like chasing the wind. It's futile. It's Habel. 
It's meaningless. And by the way, this is the same guy who wrote Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. This is, this is a Proverbs that, that is very well known. Some of you may have it hanging in your house somewhere. Solomon writes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. And now at the end of Solomon's life, as an old man, he is looking back saying, I wish I'd never stopped doing that. I wish I'd continued to pursue God and to chase after Him because life apart from God is habel. It is absolutely meaningless. You know, when Ryder, my grandson, comes over our house. This is, this is one of the toys that we like to get out. Some of you probably had this toy for your kids when, when they were younger. But you have all these different shaped holes. And, and it also comes with these different shaped pegs. And what the kids are supposed to do is they're to take the same shaped peg, and they're to put it through the same shaped hole. And I used to remember watching my kids at times get so frustrated with this toy. We had this exact same one with our kids. And, and I just remember our kids, man, they would be sitting there trying their best to put the wrong peg in the wrong hole. And I think so oftentimes this is an illustration really of how people are in our world today in that they're searching, they're wondering, they're frustratedly thinking, man, there is something missing. I mean, I've got this God-shaped hole in my heart and, and I'm, I'm trying to fill it up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fill it with so many different things and it's just not... Working. It's not bringing me any happiness. It's not bringing me any fulfillment. And that was Solomon. What we're going to see as we go through his journey is Solomon has this God-shaped hole in his, in his heart and he's going to take all kinds of square pegs and he's going to try and force it into the hole, trying to find some sort of meaning in this life. And every one of them lead to a dead end. And as we look at some of these square pegs this morning, some of you may be able to relate to them. For example, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Notice what, notice what Solomon writes. I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was, why church? Meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek, what? To seek pleasure. In other words, Solomon said, you know what? I think I figured it out. I'm going to let pleasure drive my life. I, I'm just going to pour myself in, into pleasure. I mean, that's probably it. That's probably what's missing. 
I'm going to stay up late and I'm going to play video games and I'm going to eat whatever I want and I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to go wherever I want and I'm going to watch all kinds of movies that are funny and make me laugh. But at the end of the day, it was all meaningless. I think most of us would say, man, I love to have fun and... I love to laugh, but I think we all realize there comes a point in our life where the fun and the laughter subsides. And the question is, then what? What's next? Well, Solomon moves on to the next thing. Verse 3, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. In other words, he turned to alcohol. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. In other words, Solomon says, I think I figured it out. I'm just going to get smashed. I'm just going to become a party animal. And maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe your motto has been, you know, if I can just drink it, I'll drink it. If I can just shoot it, I'll shoot it. If I can just snort it or smoke it, I'll, I'll, I'll do it just to, to get that high. Or maybe to numb the pain. But here's the deal. It only creates other problems. Julie and I, we really began to realize this when we lived in Alabama. We worked in a drug and alcohol facility for women. And it got to the point to where we would even bring our kids along because we wanted them to see that what oftentimes people try and put in that hole in their heart, whether it's drugs or whether it's alcohol, it's just a square peg. And it, it always produces deeper frustration and addiction, and it absolutely wrecks your life. And so Solomon got to the point, and you got to understand, this is a guy who is extremely wealthy. He could hold big keg parties. And he said, at the end, it was all meaningless. And so he continued to search, verses 4 through 6. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. In other words, Solomon tuned in to the HGTV channel. And he said, man, I have got to have that house. And I have got to have those countertops. And I've got to, to update my appliances. And, and you know what? A more open concept would be nice. And you know what? I, I'm just going to start redoing my yard. And in other words, he became obsessed with all the comforts of life, thinking that his external surroundings would make him happy. But in the end, it didn't. Listen, don't misunderstand me this morning. It's okay to enjoy your home, to make your home a fun hobby, fixing up your investment, but don't try and make it the source of your happiness and the source of your security. Solomon spent 13 years 
1 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Thirteen years pouring into his palace, into his home. And in the end, he said, it's all meaningless. And so he went on a different venture. What's next? Verse 7, I, I bought slaves, servants. People who would meet his every need, both men and women and others were, were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings and provinces. I hired many wonderful singers. Think about it for a moment. Who is your favorite singers? And imagine having them in your home performing for you. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, the best of the best. And, and I had many beautiful concubines. The Bible tells us that Solomon had 300 wives and 700 concubines. He just used women. He said, I had everything a man could desire. But he said at the end of the day, it was all meaningless and never made me happy. I'm sure some of you have heard of Deion Sanders. He was an amazing football player in the NFL. He had a great college career as well. You've probably seen him most recently in the Aflac commercials. But Deion Sanders in his autobiography wrote, everything I touch turn into gold. But inside I was broken and totally defeated. I remember sitting on the back of the practice field one afternoon away from everybody and tears were running down my face. I was saying to myself, this is so meaningless. I'm so unhappy. We're winning every week. I'm playing great. But I'm not happy. I've tried everything. Parties, women, buying expensive jewelry and gadgets and nothing helped. There was no peace. I had everything the world had to offer, but no peace, no joy, just emptiness on the inside. He went on to say the Bible describes it in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes as chasing the wind. And he said that's exactly what it was like. Solomon goes on in verses 9 through 11. To say, so I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me. And my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. Solomon never had to look at a price tag. If he wanted it, he got it. He said, I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work. And some of you, you love your work. Maybe you work 80, 90 hours a week. You just pour into it. You just, you, you love it. He said, I poured myself into hard work. But he says, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, he said it was all, what church? Meaningless. A bell. He said it was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And so Solomon is saying, at the end of his life, you're not going to find happiness the way I searched for it. 
You know, one of the things that we love to do with our kids is we love to tell them about the mistakes that we've made so that they won't make those same mistakes in hopes that they can have a better life. And that's what Solomon is trying to do here in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's saying, listen to me. I've been there. I've done that. I've bought the t-shirt. I've tried everything that you can try. I've done everything you can do trying to pursue happiness. And he said it was all meaningless. Because apart from God, that's what this life is. Is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, The Law of Happiness, gives a lot of scientific research that's been done on the topic of happiness and, and what makes people really fulfilled. And this is what he writes. When we're pursuing the things that don't have the power to make us happy, we're ignoring the ones that do. The research shows that our circumstances count for less than 10% of our happiness. They have the power to make us feel happy for a little while, like when you get a promotion or you get a raise or you get a 4.0 or you make the team or you get that new cell phone or you get a new car. You're ecstatic for a while. But he said, like that gallon of milk in your refrigerator, it's got an extremely short shelf life. And he's right. Just look at the toys you bought your kids or your grandkids for their birthday this year. I guarantee you they're not even playing with them anymore. I mean, at first they were all excited and, and they're playing with them for several days and now they're thrown somewhere in the closet and they could care less. Or maybe you've already sold it in the yard sale. And, and we as adults, we do the same thing in our minds. We think, man, I've got to have that. I have, I have got to get one of those, and then we get it, we play with it a while, and then it ends up in our garage next to the treadmill, right? And we never use. Happiness is not found in external circumstances. In fact, let me give you really quick what research shows us about happiness. And it's just really cool when secular research lines up with God's Word. But I'm just going to give you these in kind of shotgun fashion. We don't, we don't have time to go into much detail with these. But, but here's the first. Happy people are givers. And some of you may be thinking, well, I, I would expect you to say that. You're a preacher. Now listen to me, happy people are generous. You want to know why? Because they live beyond themselves. Are you with me? If you want to be happy, make this world not so much about you, but those around you. And that's what secular research shows. Also, happy people don't wait for someday. How many of you thought, thought to yourself, I mean, honestly, man, one day I'll be happy when I get that promotion. One day I'll be happy when I make that much money. One day I'll be happy when I drive that car or I have that house. One day, one day, no, listen, happy people grab today. They live in the moment. 
They're grateful for today. Also, happy people are proactive. They don't just sit on the side of the pool with one foot in the water. No, man, they do a run and go, and they do a cannonball, right? And they make ripples with their lives. Also, happy people connect. And I don't want to say too much here because we're, we're going to talk more about this uh, in a couple of weeks. But listen to what studies show. Studies show that people who link up with other people who have deep, meaningful relationships are people who are happier and live longer. Scientific research so, shows that having healthy connection with other people is a greater predictor of good health than nutrition and exercise together. In other words, Eddie, better Krispy Kreme with friends than a salad alone. Right? And, and like I say, we're, we're going to talk more about this in, in, just a few, in just a few weeks. But happy people connect. Happy people don't compare themselves with others. They're not envious of others. If only I looked like them. If only I had what they had. If only I had their talents and, and, and their gifts. No, happy people are happy with themselves. They're content with where they are and who they are. Also, happy people think well. They're, they're positive. They're constantly renewing their mind. They're, they're constantly pursuing wisdom. Also, happy people are grateful people. They refuse to cave into entitlement and they always find a reason, no matter what's going on around them, to be thankful. Also, happy people forgive. They don't carry around bitterness and walk around with resentment like Mr. Bill pointed out as we were taking the Lord's Supper this morning. No, they, they forgive and they, they let it go. And then lastly, happy people have faith. Augustine said some 1,500 years ago, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you, God. And that's the point Solomon's trying to get across. Only in God can we find that missing piece. John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, he says, He who has the Son has what, church? Said out loud. Has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have what? Does not have life. And so here's the conclusion. To all this this morning. Happy people don't chase happiness. They pursue God. And happiness finds them. Let me close with this question. Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you walking with God? Listen, deep within every heart, there's a God-shaped hole. And Jesus is the only one who can fill it. He's the answer. And the question this morning 
is this. Have you given your life to Jesus? You know, so oftentimes we go to a car lot and the guy who's trying to sell us the car will say, look, hop in, give it a test drive. Test it. Try Jesus and see what happens in your life. Your life won't be perfect. But let me tell you something. You will find purpose and meaning and fulfillment like you never have. And so if you need to give your life to Jesus, let me tell you something. We can get the baptistry ready this morning so that you can put on Christ in baptism, believing, making Him your Savior today, having all your sins completely washed away, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Or today, if you just need prayers, listen, I, I realize we live in a world of distractions, advertisements, right, telling us that you're missing out. If you don't have this, you're not going to be happy when the only thing that will make you happy is God. But it's hard. It's hard to realize that at times. And, and so if you need prayers, if we can pray for you about anything to rededicate your life, to strengthen your faith, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to minister to you in whatever way we can as together we stand and sing.